this is Gerard Fox and the verdict is in. And today I'm honored to have as a guest, Mitzi Perdue. Mitzi Perdue is a businesswoman, activist, and author. She is a very honored and cherished guest. She holds degrees from Harvard University and George Washington University and is a past president of the 40,000-member American Agri-Woman. She was a U.S. delegate to the United Nations Conference on Women in Nairobi. Mitzi was a syndicated columnist for 22 years, and her weekly environmental columns were distributed by California's Capital News and later by Scripps Howard News Service to roughly 420 newspapers. She is the founder and president of Win This Fight, Stop Human Trafficking Now, an organization that raises funds and awareness for other anti-trafficking initiatives. Wow. First of all, Mitzi, uh, you know, for a lot of people out there, I'm surprised they don't even, they have a vague awareness of what human trafficking is or no awareness, which surprises me. So maybe we can start with the fundamental building block of what is human trafficking? Oh, I'd love to answer that because I couldn't agree with you more that most people are in the situation I was in on April 11th of 2019, which is about a year and a half ago. The words human trafficking would just sort of glide by. They didn't mean anything. But then my life changed when I heard a lecturer who talked about, he showed pictures of little girls whom he had just rescued in a giant sting. There were maybe, I don't know, 10 of them. They were, I'm going to guess, between 10 and 12 years old. And he told us in the audience that the average girl that we were looking at had been raped 10 to 12 times a night, 365 days a year. And you know, I did some quick math in my head. That's more than 3,000 times of being forced to have sex with strangers in a year. 3,000 times. And I started thinking of the little girls in, in my life, like granddaughters or neighborhood kids. And the evil of it's just almost too much to grasp. I mean, it's appalling. My listening audience knows and my LinkedIn audience knows that I think oppression is the greatest sin of mankind any type of oppression, but to take a child and a woman and force her to have sex and to take her away from her family is a sin uh, unmatched by many. You're interested in a novel legal approach to combating this, this sickness, this human trafficking. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. To explain the legal aspects of it, I need to get into just how big the whole problem is. We think there are 42 million people who are enslaved right now. And you know, that's, that's more than double the number of who were enslaved during the Atlantic slave trade. So the, the scope of the problem is insanely big. But then on top of that, and getting into the financial aspects, it's the second largest source of income for organized crime. Let me stop you there. Wow. 40 million human beings are held captive and are part of human trafficking. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Now, why is that not a topic in presidential debates? Why is that not on the evening news? Why is that not on, on the front cover of magazines when I go through the Whole Foods checkout? Well, it certainly should be, but I'll agree with you at the moment it isn't. It's, I think, 
possibly people don't like to talk about it because it's I think it's the darkest subject in the face of the world. But the hopeful thing is, and why why I'm here, is there are things that we can do about it. But first, let me tell you that it's a $150 billion a year industry, but that happens to be, they have an Achilles heel. They have a way that we can attack them. And that is, it hasn't been done sufficiently yet, but I'm aware of several very large organizations that are working together to do what I'm about to describe. And that is, why are the traffickers in it? And the answer is, money, just pure and simple. It's it's an extremely easy way to make obscene amounts of money. But what if you were able to freeze their bank accounts? Now, you can't do it right now because they're extremely sophisticated about hiding everything. Like I've talked with, there's a group called the International Fraud Group. It represents 40 different countries. And their approach is using just the highest of high tech, dark web expertise, big data, money flows. I mean, they, they really know what they're doing. And they've been able to do such things as maybe 15 years ago, software counterfeiters were just a terrible drain on, on the big software producers. You could pirate software and cost them millions and millions of dollars. That's almost not a problem now because the big software companies would fund the international fraud group to go to track through like the dummy corporations in Liechtenstein or the Cayman Islands or wherever, they would find the money, trace it to the bank accounts that the traffickers were using, or in this case, that the software pirates were using, and then freeze the account and return it to the software company, which meant that supposing you're a bad guy and you're pirating software and you've spent so much effort selling fake software or counterfeit software, or pirated software, and then you don't get the money because whoop, it went to the software manufacturer. And that's, you know, since they're doing it for money and they're not getting the money, they effectively stopped, at least for the companies that participated in this, they effectively stopped the counterfeiters. Well, what if we could do exactly the same thing with the human traffickers? Uh, Use, use a lot of extreme high-tech dark web knowledge to track the money flows to the bank accounts. Then, and here's the really good part, the banks, how about in every case, will freeze the account if, they can be, if it can be proven that it's illegal money? Because the, here's what the bank's motivation is. They don't want a public relations hit. They don't want fines. They could even be put out of business. So they will cooperate. So attack the money that the traffickers make. Yes. Now let me ask you, um, an, again, another fundamental question. How did the traffickers kidnap these girls? What are the techniques they use? I'm sure there's a lot of very alarmed parents right now listening to this who have daughters 10, 12, 14, 16, 17, and, and they want to know what they can tell their daughters to prevent this from happening, if, if, they, if it can be prevented. Well, I'll, I'll tell you some of the ways that, that gir girls get into being trafficked. And the kidnapped ones, I've heard estimates that that's only 5% of the problem. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a dramatic and ghastly way, but there are other ways that it happens. And I'll... Well, I'll, I'll tell you the story of, of one woman that I got to know fairly well. She told me that she was brought up in a Christian family. 
uh, her parents were so protective that until she was 14 years old, they wouldn't even let her go to the mall alone. But then on her 14th birthday, she thought it was like one of the best things that could possibly happen to her. Her parents gave her the freedom to go to the mall alone. And almost right off, she met this really attractive guy. He was older. He told her he was 17. She was 14. But his name was Diesel. And he took an interest in her. And he was really interested in everything about her. And she was so happy that, you know, a really cool guy was paying attention to her. Well, what happened in the next few weeks is they began texting each other. So they'd be texting 20 times a day. And so little Mindy was just madly, desperately in love. And she thought Diesel was in love with her. But there was a fly in the ointment, which is uh, he wanted sex. And she said, I can't do this. I'm a Christian girl. I'll, you know, I just can't do it. And he told her, you know, in the most kind of loving, persuasive way, um, you don't understand. I've got needs. You've, if you love me, you've got to do this. And I'll, I'll jump ahead of the story. Pretty soon she's madly in love with him. She's run away from her parents. She's moved in with him. And she thinks they're going to live together forever. But he explains to her that there's some bills that he needs to pay if they're to build their life together. And would she help him with the bills? And that means sleeping with some of his friends. And from there it goes, the, the classic thing that happens if you wanted to tell you know, mothers what to worry about, the Romeo pimp becomes the gorilla pimp. She starts thinking that he's in love with her, and then she's terrified of him because he says, if you don't do what I want, I know where your, where your mother lives, I know where your baby brother is, and I'm going to kill them both, and it will be long and painful. So she's terrified out of her mind. She's starved, she's beaten, and for four years, he just breaks her spirit. But then a police officer sees her in, and kind of guesses what goes, is going on and rescues her. But for four years, she was in complete hell, but she was lured into it. She wasn't kidnapped into it. Interesting. So what advice would you give your parents uh, to parents about, you know, the fact that their daughters may be talking to people who aren't, you know, kids they know at the local high school or junior high or in the neighborhood? I mean, what can you do? I mean, if you're a double-income family and you're both working, I mean, how do you... How do you be uh, proactive, I guess? I think, boy, I, I, have, I have an 11-year-old granddaughter, and the thought of talking with this sweet, innocent angel about something so awful, I'm glad I don't have to do it. Uh, it's her mother's job. But you do have to warn them. You have to warn them that there's some very bad people out there who are going to pretend to be your friend. They're going to pretend. It's called grooming. And, you know, the, the person is... Here's, here's what happened with Mindy. Mindy was having some problems with her mother and Diesel would encourage her to uh, think that she was completely in the right and that her mother was completely wrong and didn't understand her, but Diesel understood her. And so pretty soon she's sort of gradually shifting her entire focus of what's right and what's wrong to this guy. By the way, he told her he was 17. He was actually, I think he was nearly 30. Uh, but I, I would have extremely honest discussions with with children saying that there are bad people and you know they may try to separate you from us but just don't let it happen uh, I think forewarned is forearmed yes but you know another thing that I that I would warn them about real quick 
Uh, and this is this just isn't widely enough known in the United States, or how about in the world? And there's something called sexting. And this just happens all the time. And it can even happen with your classmates if, if they're working with, with a criminal enterprise. And here's how it goes. The girl falls madly in love and the guys are, you know, a 14-year-old girl or maybe even younger. But women, you know, we're built to bond and an attractive man's paying attention to us. That's sort of disarming to begin with. And so they... They, they sort of short-circuit all the bonding things that normally make, make couples come together, but they do it for evil. And so here's how sexting works. The girl, pretty soon she's madly in love with the guy, and they're texting right and left, and he said, send me you know, pictures of you. And very often, he, they've never met. It's, it's not necessarily a high school friend. It's, she's on the internet somewhere. And he said, yeah, send me a picture. I, 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 you're so important to me. I just have to have a picture. Oh, you're so beautiful. I can't believe how beautiful you are. Send me a picture of uh, without your top on. And she does it. She doesn't feel right about it, but she wants to please him. And he says, oh, I've never seen anything more beautiful in my life. Send me more. And then pretty soon he has her naked. And then he switches from Romeo pimp to gorilla pimp. He says, if you don't send me pictures of you masturbating, I'm going to send the pictures that you've already sent me to the whole school and to your parents. Well, she's terrified of her mind. And so she cooperates and it gets worse and worse until finally he tells her, I'm going to send the pictures of you masturbating to the school and all your friends. If you don't meet me at the movie theater at five o'clock tonight. And at that point, I'm not sure if you'd call it kidnapping, but she doesn't go home. And what is, what is the age range of the people who are trafficked, roughly? I'm aware of, of two-year-olds who've been part of sex trafficking. Uh, it may be too awful even to talk about on air, or are we game for it? Well, I, I think, uh, you know... There are children are who can be murdered by... By sexual penetration, and people pay to watch this. Oh. So even a two-year-old isn't safe. My God, that is just—I'm—I I'm, I am in listening audience. I'm sure you are in total shock of the. I depravity. mean, it's the most evil thing in the entire world. It's deliberate cruelty. And when what parts of the world is this? I mean. You know, I know that there was uh, some news that came out about some island where uh, Epstein, who was recently arrested and then killed himself, and his 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 uh, his accomplice uh, now is arrested. Um, and there was some island where girls were having sex with you know political figures and powerful business men and people who were of royalty in other countries. Um, uh, but where does this happen? Where where is, is it more prominent in one part of the world? Are the girls taken to one part of the world uh, or another, or is it just something that you know it's happening all over the United States? In the United States, I think people when they hear human trafficking, they think of somebody kidnapped and brought to like Mexico or to China and enslaved. The idea that it's happening in this country is, I think, for some people, you know, they they won't accept that. But what I just heard. Sounds like it, 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 they're kidnapped and forced to have sex in this country. 
It well, first of all, it happens all over the world. I've heard that there, there's an argument whether New York is the sex trafficking capital of the world or whether it's in Dallas. But I'm inclined to believe New York because trafficking goes where the money is. And if you're a pimp or a trafficker in New York City and you've got four girls in your, quote, stable, you can be making a million dollars a year tax-free and the girls don't get a penny of it. They're, they're starved, beaten, terrified. And you might think that, that they'd ask for help to get out of this. But if they try... Uh, they'll be starved and beaten even worse because the, the traffickers will have uh, ringers come in and ask them if they'd like to get out. And if they say yes, then then the ringer's going to go right back to the trafficker and say, uh, this girl wasn't loyal, beat her up, starve her. <laughs> so by the way, uh, if anybody's listening who, who visits with ladies of the night and they're telling you that they love their job, it's possible but I think it's possible maybe that I could fly to the moon with my hands as wings. Uh, it's not likely, but they are conditioned to say, oh, I love this. So the kidnapping where the, you know, where the van pulls up and the chloroform is used and the girl's taken and never seen again, that is a small percentage of these human trafficked uh, people. Is that correct? Well, it's extremely real, but it isn't the most... The, here, here's why... Another, F, another approach is much more common. And also why trafficking has increased in the last few years. Way in the past, somebody who wanted to lure a girl, say he's in New York and he's, uh, he, he wants more girls in his stable. What he can do right now is he can be monitoring, monitoring Facebook or, or other self, social media and he can, he can be monitoring like hundreds of girls and he can find ones who maybe are having trouble with their parents and then he'll start online grooming them and the, the poor little girl she thinks oh I'm the love of his life and he, she doesn't realize that it's this 30 year old who's running an operation of trying to maybe he's got 100 or 200 girls that he's grooming and he's hoping that two or three of them will come through and that, that's kind of easier sitting in your in your basement grooming girls on social media than it is going risking chloroforming them and the chloroforming thing and the and the truck and the van that's real as can be but it's just not the most common way it happens because that i mean that's really high risk yeah when you say high risk what can go wrong what happens in those situations well a policeman comes by or somebody sees it going on mm -hmm. so it's, it's high risk it's high risk for the trafficker he's in general, I think he'd, he'd prefer the easiest way. And the easiest way, it seems to me the easiest way seems to be grooming. So, so for your organization, win this fight, stop human trafficking now, what do you do? What does your organization do to fight human trafficking? Well, before COVID-19, we had a wonderful plan, which will still happen, but it's a couple of years in the future, to create... Our goal is to create awareness of the problem, and it's also to raise money for other anti-trafficking organizations. And so I had the idea that there's, there's 750 billionaires that, work, that are associated with just one bank that I'm connected with. And if you're a billionaire, the odds are really high that you have art objects or jewelry or antiquities or collections 
that maybe you're tired of. I have, I was, I had created an, with a major auction house in New York that we would have a super high value auction where you couldn't even get into it for a million. Well, the, the baseline is a million dollars and people made pledges and we were going to have this giant auction that would get all sorts of attention. And PBS has already done a half hour documentary on it. And I'll tell you just briefly, some of the donations, the level of them, I'll tell you one, the biggest is a 69.7 carat ruby that belonged to a Qing dynasty emperor. This has been pledged for the auction. When you get gifts of that level, but others are one of the largest perfect uh, emeralds that came from the very historic sunken treasure ship Atocha. When you get things with that are worth an awful lot and that also have great stories that are attached to them, and the donor gets to say which anti-trafficking organization it goes to, that means press all over the world. Because imagine, actually I'm going to bet that it's not easy for you to imagine a 69 carat ruby, but I'll help you. A 69 carat ruby, 69.7 carat ruby. Imagine that you're holding, and I've held it, a golf ball in your hand. And it's, I'm going to think it's 10% smaller than a golf ball. I mean, it's just the most amazing thing that you've ever imagined. And yeah, you know, when that gets auctioned, people all over the world are going to be talking about it. The initial plan was this amazing auction that, and there's so far there are four different public relations companies that have volunteered to help publicize the thing. So there, there would be, okay, that's what I'm expecting when COVID-19 is in the rear view mirror. So what do we do meanwhile? Well, there's, there's a consortium of organizations with fabulous amounts of very high tech knowledge of how to trace illegal money. And it hasn't been done before now because there hasn't been the money to do it. Uh, the people, a, a typical person who has the amazing skills that I've been talking about, they're in, the, in their current job, they're probably making a quarter of a million dollars a year. They can't, they can't volunteer or, or they can't certainly go full time working on this. So my goal is to raise money to hire these uh, amazing people who can track money flows and shut down the bank accounts of the traffickers. And with $150 billion sloshing around, there's, you know, it's a very rich field for this. Well, it's uh this is just uh, bone chilling, and yet I want to tell you how much I admire you and the people associated with you for what you're doing. And do you see in your work that the FBI or other state organizations um, are putting time and money and resources at um, uh, busting these rings and rescuing some of these girls? Uh, the answer is yes, but... The approach that we're having would work, actually in the past, the organization, the International Fraud Group, they work hand in glove with law enforcement. They're not some rogue operation out in their own. What they do is they collect the information, the absolute proof of where the money came from. And they can, they, I don't know how they do it, but they have ways of, supposing you're a trafficker and you're hiding things through a shell company that's hiding things through another shell company and by the end of it, you you look legitimate. You're not. And they have ways of, of tracking that. And when they find this information, then they give it to law enforcement and uh, and law enforcement takes over. But I guess I'd call it supplementing law enforcement. In the United States, I'm, 
I think I'm pretty, I'm trying to think how to phrase this most accurately, but I'm, I love what, what the United States is doing. I just want to see a lot more of it. And I think it all depends on budget. I bet you, if you gave them a huge budget, if, if citizens demanded that we do more about this, it would happen. Yeah. Do you occasionally see the wealthy parent go, you know, full on, uh, you know, to rescue their daughters? Uh, there are a lot of cases of that, but I'll tell you a more typical case of how it happens. And this is, this is a woman, oh, dare I see it? Yeah, she's writing a book about it. So I think I can talk about it. Uh, it's a woman dating my son. And her story was, and it's a little different from what I've described before, but here goes. This girl, and let's call her Sally, her father was a surgeon at Mass General Hospital in, in Boston. So really high status thing. Her mother was a stay at home mom. And you'd think that child could never end up trafficked, right? But here's what happened. Her father was killed in a car accident. This devastated the mother. And then within two months, her brother, her beloved brother, yeah, the, the light of her life uh, was killed in a drowning accident. The mother, as far as I can tell, pretty much, and we're talking 25 years in the past, and I don't think her mother's alive any longer, so I think I can talk about it. Uh, her mother just lost it. And the girl who was in a private school, she just totally lost her mind also between grief. she It was as if she had lost her father, her brother, and then her mother as well. Well, she she skipped out of school, a private school in New Hampshire, and went to New York just to escape everything. And this really kind, nice guy said, I can give you a job as a stripper. And strippers, I mean, that's almost always a front for prostitution. And pretty soon she was in, quote, the life. And she was in it for four years until until she escaped. Yeah. Well, that's a very sad, sad, sad story. We could talk about this for ages. I could cry a river right now. I want the people listening to know how they can get in touch with you. I'm sure many of them are waiting for that information to be provided right now. How can they? Go to winthisfight.org. And I would love you to sign up for the newsletter. And the newsletter, I'm, here, I'm going to make a promise to you. First of all, I think you'll find the newsletter fascinating because I write upbeat stories once a week. And I'm not into wallowing in how awful it is. I'm more into telling the exciting things that people are doing. That's part one of, this, of the promise. I think you'll enjoy the newsletter. But part two of my promise, if you volunteer, I promise to use your skills at their highest and best level and never ask you for more time. And I'm not asking you for money than you want to give. So come to winthisfight.org and be part of this fight. And we're not going into high gear probably for half a year or a year, but I'd love you to be in it at, at this stage. Well, I'm asking my entire audience, you know, this program has had such tremendous reception and thank you all of you for listening. And people pass it on to others that we're now getting agents uh, bringing us guests, and it's not just lawyers. We're, we're going to bring on many guests and hopefully turn this into a radio program sometime next year. But for all of you who are listening, this is something that is very important. These are children who have their whole lives ahead of them, who are taken from their homes by brutal, evil people who want to monetize them, and maybe even, as you heard, babies and infants. 
So it, you know, while you sit there and shake and think how you can protect your children, you can also email Mitzi at Mitzi Purdue, P-E-R-D-U-E dot com. And you want to get involved and take steps and provide the tools to the people who can win this fight. Mitzi, it has been an honor to have you on this show so that you can enlighten the world who's listening as to the size of this problem, the, the solutions that are in the works, the efforts that are there to save women who have been taken and raped thousands of times. I admire you. I want to say God bless you. And thank you for being on the show. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.